Well, we started that bit. And um, he'll keep doing that. He is our source of life. He's our source of strength. He is our everything. And what we're going to go on to talk about this morning has to come after this. We can get busy, can't we? We can get busy. We're good at getting busy. And there are seasons. But our busyness, our business, our activity, the way we live life must be sourced and orientated around the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because if it isn't, it won't be fruitful. We spoke last term at one point. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of eternal significance. Nothing of kingdom-shaping dynamic change. Nothing. You could build amazing buildings. You could create amazing systems. But the Lord wants us to build with precious stones and jewels and gold and silver. And those are spiritual or those are material indicators of a spiritual reality. That as we build with him, as the primary motivating factor that empowers us and strengthens us, what we build is a temple to the glory of the Lord. And then the nations come and glorify his name. That's where we want to start. That's where we want to be. That's our root and our core. New glasses, Matt, sorry. Yeah, we had the same design for quite a while, even though mine were broken. They always look better on him, but there you go. (laughs) Matthew 5, 14, 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We can get busy building light bulbs and walls and strategy but the power comes from the Lord there'll be no lights on if we get busy building the infrastructure and there's no power 
We have to have his power present in us, in our lives, for him to be glorified. I've got a guest speaker this morning. And so I'm going to read to you a passage from this book by John Tyson and Heather Grizzle. I'd like to put an accent on that so it sounds a bit more fancy. Grizzle. I don't know. Grizzle sounds a bit like gristle. And I'm like, oh no, that doesn't feel quite right. Just when you listen to the story that these guys present in this book. I came across these guys, not, not uh, John and uh, Heather, but I came across the Moravian Church in Honduras. And I didn't know much of their background or their story. But they had an amazing impact. And I just want to share this from them and what they did. Niklaus Ludwig von Zindensorf was from a noble family in early 18th century Lower Austria who was set to inherit title, land and money. He could have simply coasted through life as one of the elite. However, he had a life-altering experience with Jesus and he dreamed of becoming a pastor. Taking on such a role was too much of a class demotion for, some of his, for someone of his station So his family soundly discouraged him from that pursuit. Despite having a passion for preaching the gospel, he relented to his family's request and took a position as counsellor to the King of Saxony at Dresden. Part of the fallout at that time from the Protestant Reformation was the persecution by the Catholic Church of some sects of Christianity, including Mennonites and Anabaptists. After inheriting some of his grandmother's land in Saxony, Count Zindensorf offered asylum to a number of persecuted German-speaking Christians from Moravia and Bohemia, and this began in 1722. They built the village of Hernhut on the corner of his estate, which became a refuge for three to four hundred people seeking religious freedom. At first, his experiment was a complete disaster. In many ways, the Catholic Church's fears were realised because at this place, each subgroup had different practices of faith and that produced considerable tension. Zindensorf eventually took leave from his position in Dresden in order to devote himself to resolving the conflicts in the village. Zindensorf began to visit every single home in the village to pray with them and plead with them for unity in the most essential tenets of Christian faith. In response, the men of Hernhut started gathering for intense prayer and study of Scripture. Through these disciplines, they recognised that their strife was not what God was calling them to as believers, and they drafted the Brotherly Union and Compact, a voluntary code to which they would all adhere. The members of the community signed that document, which still exists today, and is known in its latest form as the Moravian Covenant for Christian Living, of July 1727. Forged in this new sense of unity, Zindensorf began to hold daily meetings for prayer and Bible study, and the entire community was invited to take communion together on the 13th of August 1727. 
On that day, they experienced what is called the Moravian Pentecost. The Spirit of God came down, and for more than 10 hours, they repented, they wept, they laughed, and they celebrated the presence of God. God honoured their covenantal commitment to one another with an outpouring of his Spirit and the igniting of revival. They recognised that the revival God was bringing was to, to their community was not just for them to hoard, but rather it had to lead to renewal for others. Just as in the light in the Jewish temple was never out, they arranged for a system of hourly intercession so that someone was always praying. That prayer meeting lasted without interruption for 100 years. Their fervency in prayer birthed a passion and a vision for world missions which has been unsurpassed to today. The Moravians did more than all the missionaries since the Acts of, you know, the, of the Bible until that time. After Count Zindensdorf heard a story about a slave converting to the Christian faith, they realised that some of the most neglected places were the slave islands in the British Empire, and they committed to missions in those places. In one particularly remarkable incident, two Moravians sold themselves into slavery and went to the Caribbean to witness to other slaves who had no other access to the gospel. They went to the island and soon thousands were converted, as it was the case in many other places around the world. The Moravians were not only ubiquitous with their own missional endeavours, they were also behind a number of other missionary movements. Their contribution to renewal produced a fruit that was unprecedented for the size of their community. Then, when William Wilberforce was trying to make his case to Parliament that slaves should be freed and not revolt, that they could be freed and would not revolt, he used as a case study one of the islands that the Moravians had visited where thousands were converted and were able to live in peace with those who had previously owned them. John Wesley bumped into Moravians in the middle of a storm and that brought spiritual awakening. His famous reading of the epistle to the Romans was actually read by a Moravian pastor. The father of missions, William Carey, walked into the Baptist Mission Society where one of the Moravians' pamphlets threw it down and demanded that the Baptists pursue the heathens like the Moravians. Unbelievable spiritual fruit came from a tiny community in the middle of nowhere who made a covenant together. They adopted this posture of being a creative minority and their fruitfulness was the way of... Their faithfulness produced the fruitfulness of Jesus influencing the world for generations. The Moravian story may seem like an irrepeatable, irreclable model. But our actions don't have to be heroic or dramatic. This revival began with one man going to his neighbour and praying that they would be united. He did that again and again and again until the flywheel, that weighted wheel in the engine of a machine, began to turn. And the perpetual motion of the spirit propelled the community through the gospel, outwards, in service of the people around them. We need to be careful not to dismiss Jesus' command to love one another as cliché. 
1 Corinthians 13 could not be more clear. If we do not get love right, nothing else matters. We need to be careful in community because instead of focusing on love, we may look more to sophisticated strategy and to influence our world through intellectual means. That has caused us to reach for the microphone and the result has been the world sticking its fingers in its ears. Our influence will actually be determined by the level of our self-sacrificing commitment to our neighbours and our willingness to see things through even when things get hard. Moravians were a small group. It wasn't the function of their influence or their credibility, but it was the reality of the individual members' depth, duration and commitment to one another that bore out. Ministry and fruit without love is just noise. He's a good preacher, isn't he? I like that man. Count Zindensorf had a life-changing, altering experience. And a passion was birthed by the Spirit in him. He used his gifts and opportunity to serve the King, Jesus, in any way he could. And you know what? He gave it a go. He recognised it wasn't working and needed to correct things. So failure wasn't a problem because success was obedience, not the outcome. He went back to God for the solutions, saw the Spirit of God move through obedient love, unity and grace. And they saw it through when things got hard and they committed to one another in love. I just want to commend you all because this has been the heartbeat of CCBS well before my time. It's what you run with as a passion and community to love well, to serve, to give yourselves, to seek the best for others, to lift them up. And despite difficulty, personal failure, challenge, you get up, you go again, you seek solutions and the empowering of the Lord. I just want to commend you individually. You've all got your stories, but collectively as a community. And so we're positioned to regularly enjoy the fruit that God wants to create through us as a community. And there's so much more to come. And he's going to be running or helping to lead and run Freedom in Christ course that's starting on September 22nd. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. If you're in group and this looks like an option for you, go for it. 
We're going to be doing Galatians series. I'm going to talk about that in half a second. But this will produce fruit in your life. Let's be intentional. Even if you've touched this stuff before, let's go again. Fill me again, Lord. Transform me, renew me, change me, mold me. If you're not in a group, get in here. Get in. And if for some reason, logistics of the week, timing, work, shift patterns, goodness knows what, get on a WhatsApp group with a group that meets. Get connected in. This stuff's on video as well, right? So you can access this stuff and then you can pray with folk on WhatsApp and you can connect in. Don't let this opportunity drift by. The Lord's going to be using this, okay? Janie, can you just chat about this? Grab one of the microphones here. We've got the black one. Thank you, Paul. So, um, if you can just imagine this hall filled with tables and people eating. Um, I've had a vision for quite a long time of being able to just practically love people and serve people in the community. There are two groups of people which obviously we'd like to find. Uh, One are those that are financially struggling, families that are struggling to feed their families. And the second one is the lonely. And I think the lonely are very hard to find. There are lots of lonely people in Bishop's Dortford. We don't necessarily know who they are. They often keep themselves to themselves. Um, Interestingly, I was having a chat with a, a, a gentleman in Sainsbury's a few weeks ago, and he was telling me about his life which was very interesting. Um, he had a lot, a lot of money, but he was desperately lonely. So it's somebody like that that I would love to come here. So what, we, what our aim is and our vision is, and this is a long-term vision, so uh, bear with me, is that we are able to provide a hot meal for whoever, but generally we're looking for people who are lonely and who are struggling financially. Um, once a week, maybe it develops to twice a week, and we are able to love people and provide that. Now, We've sat on it, I've sat on it, and you sort of think, oh, how do you do this, etc., etc. And actually, I, I didn't see the, hadn't seen the, the um, PowerPoint I'll just put up, but the one that says, give it a go, I thought, actually, that's what we're going to do, is we're going to give it a go. And we may have two people, we may have ten people. Initially, we're going to ask people to sign up so that we have some idea. But if, you know, when I've got my big spiritual boots on, I'm feeling like dreaming big in God, I can just see people coming in here and, you know, oh, you need to go to the carriage, you get a hot meal on a, on a Tuesday night. And so let's see what happens and where we go. But that's what we're going to do. Now, I've got one more minute. If, uh, obviously, I can't cook for, like, how many people. So I've got a few people that have said, yeah, we're on board. If There's loads of way, ways you could help. There's obviously the cooking. There's the chatting. And I'd, what I'd love to see is families, with you and your three children, two children, coming to serve as a family and actually coming down just eating with people and just getting to know people and loving people and people feeling part of the community. So there's loads of things. Washing up, there's putting tables away, there's talking to people, there's financially supporting it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can imagine. So that's where we're at at the moment. So. Thank you. Sorry, the flyers aren't fully finished and everything, but generally it's going to be like on a Tuesday night, 6 till 7.30, food served 6 till 7. Not 7.45. Yeah, that slide is completely wrong. (laughs) Okay, so this this is where you use a deliberate mistake to reinforce a message, right? So this is, it's Tuesdays, 
Not Thursdays. No, he does say Tuesday. Have I got me right glasses on? <laughs> it's right. What else is like? It's the time that's wrong. Six, yeah? Six till 7.30. Right. I've got minus two minutes. Alpha starting. John's. I'm going to hold you there. Sorry, John. Look at this man. Celebrate him. It's starting in his home, okay? Wonderful opportunity. Neighbours, people you bump into the street, God incidences, all sorts of opportunities, brilliant videos, brilliant content. Let's get on this, okay? See what God does with us. Let's ask the brave question and give somebody an opportunity. Brilliant. Some dates. 10th of September, Baptist, 11th, next week. <laughs> Baptism, six young people getting baptised. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Admin, two meetings from the 18th, okay? Have you chosen yours? Yeah? Okay, two meetings. There's an all-nation celebration on the 23rd. We want to celebrate the diverse community, the more and more diverse community we're becoming, Okay? Um, we've got Jill Cronow, works in the NHS as a GP. She's going to be provoking us again about bringing the Spirit of God into the workplace and what that looks like. And we've got Andrew Cannon provoking us for those acts of boldness and courage in evangelism and seeking the Spirit moving again. Okay, who do I talk to today? That's an interesting question, right? Then we're going to dive into Galatians. Okay, next week we're going to start a series in Galatians. The core premise of Paul's argument we might often look at and say, it's faith versus works, right? I believe the core premise of Galatians is the spirit-filled life empowered by the Spirit of God, not adherence to rules and regulations through self-effort. And we're going to be unpacking this over the next six weeks. Look at the artwork that Ben Frain's created. I love it. It's so good. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We're going to learn how to pass grace, okay, amongst us, all right? I won't, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not that accurate, and I don't want to take anyone out, all right? <laughs> I won't, I won't, seriously. Um, Paul unpacks in Galatians the reality of the premise and foundation of the grace of God that is our starting point. And then how it effuses and strengthens everything else through the grace of the outpouring of the Spirit as we pass the ball amongst one another and with people in the world. It's how the kingdom of God advances. How are you going to express grace today to this situation, that person, that person, that context? Grace to yourself. Okay, so we're going to learn how to pass the ball of grace. Guys have been doing an amazing podcast series um, and... I'm just looking around the room. Um, Mark Reed Williams, Christine, Nigel Warner, Matt Squirrel have been working away in the background for a podcast series to support it. Absolutely brilliant. Look forward to that. Deep, authentic storytelling and sharing of testimony about the work of God and how do we play this life out, empowered by the grace of God, empowered by his spirit to step into the freedom that he wants to bring. So we've got a primer coming out this week that Ollie Cole's written. It's going to give you the background to Galatians. There's six opportunities to explore that over the week. 
You're going to have the Sunday ministry and messages that are going to go through, group notes coming out from that, the Playmaker podcast, and then the Going Deeper series that you can dip into if you want to as well. We want to move forward as a community in this core attribute of the empowering anointing of God and then the movement of grace. And I need to stop because I'll start preaching some more and we've got some notices. So bless you. Thank you.